Today on HDO Football we are joined by self-proclaimed National League pantomime villain Josh Casey. An accountant by trade, we speak to the Woking captain about all things lower league football, fan engagement and football finances. Enjoy. Welcome to HTO Football. We are absolutely delighted today to be welcomed by Woking FC captain Josh Casey. Josh, how are things, mate? How's lockdown life treating you? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. We're um, we're getting by okay, sort of getting used to the the new normal, as they say. And um, yeah, it's going okay. Just missing football now. Yeah, not half, not half. Mm. I think. Well, Bundesliga's back today, isn't it? So um, I don't know. Like, I think everyone's suddenly become massive Bundesliga fans. Yeah, I've seen all the uh, all the find your Bundesliga team and the, the flow chart to to pick a team. So I'm looking forward to doing that and then and then sitting down and hopefully watching some football. I can't wait. Honestly, can't wait. It'll be strange because they're all obviously behind closed doors. But I think any football now, people are just they're just craving anything. Yeah, I, I did that flow chart um, and I came out as a Hamburg fan because of the. Re- I think it must have been similar to my, my arse roots because it was said, "Are someone who harks back to past glories and just wins occasionally?" <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, well, with the Arsenal, that's, that's not really the winning occasion, is there anymore? <laughs> oh, already thrown out the digs. Already thrown the digs in. <laughs> well, we, we, I'm sure we'll get there in a minute with Woking shy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, there's obviously news yesterday as well of um, League Two as well being being called for the year. Well, well, certainly the clubs voting for in favour of calling it. Um, but obviously, you you at Woking was called a couple of months ago now. Um, what was that like at the time? It was re- it was really strange. I think it it all sort of happened so quickly with with the the lockdown and then games being called off. So I think we as as players we were really shocked at, at the speed with which it happened because I think the the Premier League one weekend said that the games were being postponed. The EFL followed and then the leagues below us called off all their games, but we were supposed to still be playing that weekend. Hmm. Um, so it was really strange. I think we were sort of really shocked that we were going to be left playing and and we we as players were messaging everyone sort of speaking to each other before the game and no one really wanted to play we all thought it was it was ridiculous that, that there were there were thoughts we were we were going to be playing and then obviously luckily on the on the day our our game was called off um because they they refused the other team refused to travel um and then obviously it, it sort of snowballed from there and and now our league's been been called off but not voided so there's still the possibility of, of promotions and relegations. They they're they're yet mm-hmm. to decide that. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think based on what um what League Two have done, it, it looks like there's only gonna be one coming up from from the National League. Um which obviously is is nothing to hear for for anyone other than other than Barry. Mm, must be tough for the Harrogate fans for sure. Um I mean your your last yeah. your last game obviously before suspension Josh was at home to Barnet. Um yeah. Where 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 did you see your season going at that point in the season? What tar- what targets were in place at that point? So we were playing well at that point. We were um, we'd hit a bit of hit a bit of form again. So I think um, the start, we obviously started the season really well. The aim at the beginning of the season was just to to avoid relegation. But we managed to to be top after a couple of months. Then we had a big dip. But we found ourselves, I think, with with nine games left, being three or four points yeah. outside the playoffs, and, we, yeah. and we'd finally hit some form. So. I think we we genuinely genuinely believed that with our run in and, and how we were playing we were going to make the playoffs. Mm. Um, but it's, it's pretty gutting. And then obviously the the last result 
the, the Barnet game is probably the one that, that has cost us a chance if, if it does come down to points per game or, or anything like that, which is mm. which is a real a real shame. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that obviously I go to a lot of Barnet home games, particularly, and I, we um, I always feel like in that in that in that division, it's such a hard league to get out of because any I mean, a lot of people say anyone could be anyone in the Premiership, but I don't think it's the case so much as strongly as it is in the in the National League. Do you, how do you find it a very competitive division? Did you notice a difference when you came up? From the, yeah, the south. yeah, yeah. So we we came up from the south and and we stayed part time, which is strange. Obviously, in in the national league, I think all of the clubs, apart from apart from Woking and Chorley, are, are full time. So you notice straight away the step up in in physicality. Everyone's strong, everyone's quick, and everyone's well organised. Mm. But but like you say, anyone could be anyone. I think we at the start of the season, you look at it, and I think Fylde and Chesterfield were the two sort of pre season favourites to. To go up and win the league, and and they're both in and around the relegation zone now. So it goes to show that how how strong that league mm. is, and, mm. and if you put a run of form together, anything can happen. That playoff that playoff chase looked fascinating, didn't it? At the, at the time of suspension, so many teams yeah. involved. I mean, my my local team Barnet, they were they had three or four games in hand, I think, at the time, just only a point behind Woking. Um, they, I felt we were primed really to sort of go on a push. But were you? What was the target at the beginning of the season? Just to just to literally survive, really. Yeah, it was to survive. We we set ourselves a target of just not going down because I think a lot of people and we heard from a lot of other managers who'd been who'd been speaking sort of to other managers saying that there's no chance Woking will survive. It's it's impossible to compete in this league with mm. with their budget and and being part time. Mm. I think that sort of fueled us at the start because I think we we went on an unbelievable run of, of winning seven or eight of our first ten and. And really sort of proving a point to people, and then it it seemed to then tail off. Like we we sort of said, yeah, we proved a point. Yeah, we we've all, we we thought we were better than we were. We sort of got off got off doing what we were what we were good at, and and it sort of the early season honeymoon then faltered, and we, and we started losing a lot of games. But mm-hmm. we were still we were still in with a shot at the playoffs. So we changed our we changed our aspirations privately. We didn't say anything publicly because we didn't want to. Make ourselves look like idiots, but we we said we wanted to get into the playoffs. Yeah, um, interesting though. You, you obviously say you're one of two teams that's still uh, sort of semi-professional, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on whether, with everything happening with coronavirus and obviously the suspension of play, whether actually um, will that help or hinder you as a club? Um, obviously, in terms of the revenues that a lot of the professional clubs will be um, used to and sort of relying on. I guess you, you guys as players are probably all picking up other jobs here and there anyway, part-time jobs. Obviously, I know yourself still full-time working. So, uh, yeah, just, been, just to get your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's massive. I think Woking are, are going to be in a really, really strong position going forward when, when the league restarts because there's no debt. They're not, playing, they're not paying players full-time wages. You know, you've got, mm. for a bit of confidence, you've got people in, in the National League picking up three or four grand a week at some clubs. And you think for for that fifty two weeks a year at, at a level where now there's no fans, no income coming in, and clubs are running at losses of of crazy amounts. I think I know there's some club some club that's lost two million, I think, in in a year. You think if mm-hmm. if they've still got those same outgoings, they're still going to have to pay players. People might not want to put that money in. Mm-hmm. I, I I was speaking about it to to a few players and a few managers, and I think non league is is going to be completely and drastically changed by this it's, mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be amazing if it ever goes back to normal but I think the days the days of players sort of picking up 
stupid money to, to this level are gone and it, it is going to be incredibly different next season but I think Woking are, are in a really strong position because they've got no debt they're a part-time club and sure. and they've 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 got no real sort of committed outgoings mm-hmm. I think you're right I mean a couple of commentators have been saying like in terms of um, journalists that it's not going to be the very top top teams that are going to suffer from this really because ultimately although they will uh, struggle they'll sign another deal the player xyz will still demand xyz from a, a club either where he is or will demand a move but i think like you said there'll be that championship league one league two a level where they're paying in reality quite extortionate amounts for probably not premium elite footballers who don't bring their own wealth to the table i.e their own following or their own sponsorship or anything like that that's really going to struggle uh, and it, it could it could change it irrevocably there could be two or three teams go out from each league it could be something that yeah. there's talk of been a restructure isn't there there's been some rumblings josh about possibly regionalizing the conference and league two or even league one maybe what, what how do you do you think that would be a good move i think it's it's an interesting concept it's it sort of depends on how much would actually be saved by it because a sort of saying, oh well, there's you get bigger attendances because people will travel, and you'd save on travelling costs. But if those games become every week, people aren't going to find the money that they didn't have before to be able to pay to go to every single away game. So mm. I think, whilst in theory it's a great idea, you know, if, if people have only got to travel 20 miles up the road, they'll go to every game. In practice, if if the economy's terrible and and people are looking after their money you're just going to have the same situation but in a, in a regionalised league. Mm. And it, it would then probably be, you'd, you'd have people complaining about whether they were in the north or the south, like you always get at, at the lower mm. lower league regional level. So mm. I think it, in, in theory, it's a great idea, but in practice, it, it, it couldn't work. And I think, like like you said, we're going to lose a few clubs from from football. I think it's it's impossible for these clubs to continue to survive. You'll have, you'll have a group of clubs that, we're on the brink already that, that mm. this is now the, the sort of the, the final straw that, that pushes them over the edge. Mm. And you'll have clubs that would be in bankrolled by, by a money man who was happy to throw money at, at, a, at a project who now all of a sudden thinks, mm. in this Enough. economy, why am I doing this? What mm. am I doing? This, yeah. this is ridiculous. And, and then pulls it out. So I think the, the whole landscape of, of lower level football is, is going to completely change. Mm. Yeah. No, I think you. I think you're completely right. I can't. I can't see how things go back to normal reset. I, I think the landscape of society will therefore change as well. We, were, you know, from a working perspective, people working from home more, and actually understanding what well, well, actually does that does that fit with my new lifestyle? Is it, is it necessary? And part of that will be is going to a football match with a couple of thousand people, or obviously as you go up the divisions, more and more thousands of people. Worth the risk, worth my time. I think people will start to become slightly used to lockdown life, slightly used to a smaller circle of of both friendships, but also just a smaller circle of existence. Um, for me, that'll be the real, uh, the interesting piece about how it plays out. I don't think even if they said, oh, everyone can go to football matches tomorrow, I, I would love to see those big league attendances because I'm just not sure they, people would, would go in their droves. People have been financially impacted, but also I think personally and emotionally and all that kind of impact that it has on, on families and people up and down the country. I'm not sure it's just going to be a reset button there. I did notice though in, in, the, in the research for this and having a quick look, and Woking's attendance weren't bad. I think it's better than Barnett's, Andrew. Woking's was like up over 2,000 average, <laughs> oh, that's, that's average not a hard week. <laughs> 
Water Barnet Pool on a weekly basis? Well, it depends really. Time we, I mean, our attendances are, are impact. You, you might agree with us, Josh, where if Champions League football's on in the week and you've got a Tuesday game at home, <laughs> um, that, yeah. can, that can sometimes have an impact. I mean, obviously, in, in London area, you've got a lot of Arsenal, Spurs, West Ham fans. So our, yeah. our attendances can, can fluctuate, but we've got a lovely stadium. I mean, I was there this, I was there in October with um, our last-minute equaliser, 2-2, against Woking. Do you remember uh, that game? Yeah, that was that was sickening. It was horrible. I think we we fully deserved minute. to win. I think it was the ninety-six minute. It was yeah. supposed to be ninety-five minutes played, and, and we <laughs> inevitably conceded from. Oh, it was ridiculous. It's embarrassing. But yeah, with Barnett's attendances, I suppose it's it's harder to to get an average because we've got so many games called off because of their pitch. Yeah, so, um, big, yeah, we had a real real struggle this season. That's why we've got we only I think we've got about two thousand games in hand on Woking. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's, it's ridiculous, an, un- an unbelievable stadium, a, a great place, and the, uh, you sort of get a light drizzle and the games are called off for two weeks there. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. Yeah, it was becoming the norm, actually. If you're talking about the new, the new norm, that was what it was like for Barnet fans, I think. Um, but one, one team I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on, actually, is a team that's sitting top of the National League. Um, I've been hearing Barrow Salona. Um, is that... Is that, is that it's, obviously, it's an overstatement. Is that overstatement? Is it? But is it? Is there something? Yeah, they are better. Is there? Is there something in that, though, Josh? Yeah. So we played. We played them early on in the season, and we we beat them three two, and they were bottom of the league at that stage. But when I say the first half, we I think we had about ten percent of possession. It was embarrassing. Like they, the way they moved the ball and how quickly they moved the ball and their rotations, mm. it was. It was something else. We we came off after after that game wondering how we'd won and how they were bottom of the league. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not surprised to see them up there. And it's the the way they play football is is brilliant. It's it's great to to watch. It's not great when you're doing doggies trying to chase players who are yeah. who are running around everywhere and, and you've got no idea who you're supposed to be marking. But yeah, it's, it's really good football. It was interesting that when they they visited the Hive, I think one of our FA Trophy games, and we. Um, we dispatched them three 0 and it was like it was it wasn't the team that I'd seen in in the league. I think they had a few players out that day, um, but that was obviously a trophy we were looking good for actually. Um, the FA Trophy, yeah. and then we we won't talk about the Howes Owen tie. That was rather embarrassing. But as a left back in the in the conference, what's been your biggest challenge this season, personally, individually? Oh, it's a it's a tough one. I think a, a lot of it is different wingers you come up against and the intelligence of them. When you're playing at, at Conference South level, you kind of know what you're going to get from a winger within within the first five or ten minutes. They're they're a lot they're a lot more one-dimensional and predictable. So you, you'll have a winger that is determined to cut inside, or a winger that's determined to run down the line. Hmm. Whereas at National League level, the good wingers can do both and will do both during the game. So hmm. you've then got to make sure you're switched on at all times. Whereas, yeah, Conference South, it, it I felt really comfortable. Like it was predictable. I sort of knew what the winger was going to do and I knew that if if I played well there's no chance the winger was going to get any any joy from me whereas this this season it's it's more of a challenge and you know there's, there's some high quality players there Has anyone has, have, you come, have you come off the pitch and sort of felt like oh, I need I need a rest now is there, any bit, has there been one particular that, player that's yeah. Run you ragged at all? Yeah, I mean, that probably doesn't happen, Josh. But I'm just. You know. <laughs> it, it never happens. Never happens. But there was there was not not county away, and I got booked fairly early on. 
and the winger that I was up against was very, very good. He was nippy, sort of could play off both feet and was, was having a good game. And I think when you know you can't foul him and you've got the crowd on your back already and they were mm. they were in the ascendancy as well, I was kind of thinking, oh, you, you have a glance up at the clock and think, how long left? You know, yeah. you can't commit to anything. You're trying to you're trying to just slow him down to try and get people around you. And, yeah, and they're probably was, just hammering you. Game. They're hammering that side. They're hammering it that must side. Have, yeah. It must have been a big crowd at Notts County that day as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big crowd, and we so we went one nil up um, as well, and their, their fans were, were fuming. And then I think halfway through the second half, they got the equaliser, and from then on, the place, the atmosphere just changed completely. And then it was it was a real backs against the wall job, and yeah, the winger was just staying high and wide, mm. cheating massively, and then and then getting the ball with sort of twenty or thirty yards to run at me. And I was thinking, I I don't need this. I do yeah. not need this yeah, for the last half an hour. Mm-hmm. It was during one of the storms as well, so it was hor- horrible weather, horrible wind. You just think, come on, need, give me a break. You needed to pull rank and get someone to double up and say, look, just, like, just like, get back, just drop back, just drop back. You're helping me. I was, I was trying. They weren't there quick enough. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but you clearly didn't get run ragged like that the season before. Um, obviously, you got the clean sweep, didn't you? All the Player of the Year awards, managers, players, fans, all that rubbish. Big greedy, isn't it? Ridiculous. <laughs> It was a it was a good year. I've had a lot of abuse in the in the change room. I won obviously all the all the awards and then won Surrey Sports Personality of the Year, which was um That's outrageous. Which, again got me I know, got me got me a lot more grief from um from the players, especially putting leaving living sorry. So um yeah, it was <laughs> it, it was it was a great year for me. Was that an I mean thanks sorry sports personality of the year should be an automatic invite at least to BBC Sports Personality of the Year, shouldn't it? I mean, you should be up there. That's what I thought. Yeah. I thought sad. it was going to be me and Stokesy on the same table, just sort of sharing sharing yeah. stories about yeah. our, our respective achievements. Him talking about the World <laughs> Cup final and, and me talking about the playoff final. So it's sort of similar levels. <laughs> Actually, Tom, we, we could we could put that in the intro, couldn't we? Something to do with a sorry post. We could bang that in the... Sports uh, personality, yeah, yeah, for a day. But talking about not at the same level, that's very true. Because obviously, like I said, I mentioned, we, we, had, we were fortunate enough to have Bob Wilson on um, last week talking about FA Cup. And... Um, Andrew himself played in some like first preliminary round of the FA Cup, and we were trying to compare that to make sure that to say that was pretty similar to to Bob going on and have, have, having however many appearances yeah. in the FA Cup, obviously winning it and stuff like that. It's but you, my, you, yeah. but your sure claim to fame. Yeah, it is, it is my claim to fame. It was my it's my only ever FA Cup appearance. It probably will probably be the last one. I think it was um, Cot Fosters. I used to play a bit for Cot Fosters for a few years when I was oh, okay. in my early twenties, yeah. and we had we were drawn against Tooting and Mitcham. Um, and we lost one nil that day, but even even at that level, I noticed a difference. They were very efficient. I mean, we managed to keep the score at one nil, keep it quite respectable. They were a good side, um, but yeah, that, that that was it really. And then and then I sort of retired shortly after. But <laughs> yeah, to find your fame <laughs> elsewhere. But you, I, just you, thought, you, I, I thought I'd end on that, really. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the high, on the on a high, on such a high note. Um, but you, you you yourself, Josh, had a good, good FA Cup run. Um, obviously, eventually losing to Watford last year, but yeah, that was that was amazing. It was it was quite surreal, really, because he in the run up to the to the third round, we had sort of cameras and t- everyone wanted to do TV interviews with you, you know, for the standard sort of paper accountant facing a former England player and and that sort of yeah. story. But it was it was quite surreal. But being on the same pitch as them, you realise that people cannot slag off Premier League players ever because. <laughs> Even ones who you think uh, you describe as an average Premier League player, like you know Tom Cleverley or something like that, they are so good. It's 
it's ridiculous. Well, we, we've, got, we've got Tom yeah. on next week, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we you, know, you know what I mean? Like people, people say, yeah. "Oh, you know, Tom's blah blah blah," but he he played we'll for England. Tom, Tom will have to cancel no, something. <laughs> we'll have to get interested. <laughs> No, you're just, right. Like everything, their their touch, their like their speed, it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it was it was a real sort of shock. Is it who's what's his name? My mind's gone blue. Decore is an absolute beast. Yeah, even Messina, the the left back, the size of him. I was I was looking at looking at myself playing left back for Woking, and then him playing left back for them. And it's, it's, I think he's like six foot three and built mm-hmm. really really well. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was. It was yeah. a real shock, but it was it was great playing with them, and they were all really sort of respectful as well, which 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 is nice. He's never won Surrey Personality of the Year either, so. You know what I mean? it, it, exactly. So you know who's winning? Better player. You know I mean, who's who's winning yeah. at life? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, what what does a cup run do that like do for the club though? You know, the size of working cup run to to third round and the Premier League draw. That's that must have been a huge lift for the for the whole place, really. Yeah, it does so much financially and and for the clubs. I think finance-wise, the club made six figures comfortably from it, which is pretty much for a club that size is pretty much the running costs for for a large large part of the season. So yeah. it's it's absolutely huge. And then in terms of the club, you get fans that wouldn't normally come start coming to games, and they might buy a shirt, which is more money for the club, and then they might come to another game. So it's huge. It 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 really is. And I think alongside alongside the money and, and the publicity it's it's massive for a club it can keep them going for years yeah absolutely yeah. obviously you spoke about the money there and, and you know and your profession um as an accountant accountant plays in the fa cup and whatnot um but i did want to get your take on whenever you see lower league teams struggling financially you know you do get a lot of outcries yeah. saying well what i think the fa could do more i think the premier league clubs could do more to help support lower league divisions um whether that be financial rigor structure or literally handouts and if you get get your interest in to get your take on on what that could look like do you think it's even something that the fa and the prem should should entertain or and if so what kind of what kind of structure or something could potentially work i think in this situation the the, the premier league has to help it, it has to be a case of we've we've got to we've got to do do what we can for the state of the game in this country so I think the, the Premier League should be doing whatever they can to, to bail out some clubs. But I think it's it's got to be, it's so open to abuse. You've got clubs who are at lower levels operating way beyond their means. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. shouldn't then be entitled to a handout from Premier League clubs mm-hmm. and rewarded for for their for their sort of bad financial decisions and, and the gambles mm-hmm. that they take. So mm-hmm. it's, a real, it's a real sort of, it's a real fine balance there because there are clubs who, who whose main income is fans coming through the door and doing buying properly, yeah. and mm. and there and and you think those clubs that are doing things properly and are, and are just struggling because of this crisis, yeah, they need to be bailed out. They need to be helped, and and they should be. And they, the Premier League should should help them do that. But the clubs who are who are paying silly money to players without without any sort of regard to the future and, and are just gambling on going up i don't think they should be they should be then going cap in hand to anyone because mm. it's yeah. it's not fair they've chosen to they've chosen to sort of live beyond their means and and act irresponsibly so why should they they then mm. be bailed out so yeah, but then you know it, it then takes it's then really hard to sort of draw that line and say well what 
what what clubs have overspent, what deserve a handout, and what don't. So, in practice, it will be really hard to to, to operate that. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a grey area. I think that you look at you look at the lower levels as well, and and non-league these these clubs can't survive without fans coming through the door. Whereas, mm. like you said, with the, with the Premier League, the, the fans coming through the door is a, an insignificant amount, really, when you think about the, the TV money that that they get. So mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a really tough decision. I think it just needs it needs strong leadership and, and people doing things that are right for the game rather than just right for their club financially. I think, I think you're right. And I think uh, there needs to be a clear distinction, like you say, about measures that are put in place during this pandemic and during this crisis and actually long-term the the support and rigour that the people can put in place to help support low-league clubs because there absolutely is a difference and I think we need to acknowledge that in terms of, you know, look at the support in wider society for whether that be furloughing or whether that be support for self-employed. There's been you know, measures put in place that which are obviously uh, exceptional measures given the exceptional times. I, I, I completely agree, though, with respect to sort of handouts. I think there were a couple of clubs last year struggled and people said, oh, why can't they hand out Prem's clubs to do that? For my money, I think if there was something that they could do, I think it'd be more about, I don't know, whether that be trying to prevent this happening. So in terms of setting up better financial rigour, better auditing, better structure around how these clubs are run rather than just going, like you said, cap in hand when, the, you know, the proverbial hits the fan. You know, at that point, actually, yeah. it's probably too late. And maybe actually the FA and the top echelons of the game could be doing a bit more around the financial rigour and structure they put in place to make sure clubs are all abiding by the rules, like you said, and not living beyond their means. I think that's something they can do as opposed to handouts. Yeah, and you can't reward clubs for overspending and living beyond their means because then it just encourages them to, to do the same again. It's, yeah. It's really you, you can't do that, and you can't just give handouts for the for the sake of giving handouts. I think it's a lot of this crisis has brought out a lot of a lot of things of how how football clubs are, uh, are behaving, and, and some have really done well, and others have made themselves look stupid, and and their behaviour is disgraceful. Really, I think you look at you look at some Premier League clubs furloughing staff and and claiming money from the government for that is, in my mind absolutely shocking I, I don't know mm. how you've got mm. clubs who have got hundreds of million pounds worth of assets on the balance sheet cash in the bank and they're going to the government for, mm. for a bailout you can argue all you want about them contributing you know ta- taxes to the to the country and things things like that but it, it that shouldn't that shouldn't be the case it should be the billionaire owners that that are then funding that and then you look at players being scapegoated and saying they should be taking pay cuts, and you think, well, why? That's not that's not fair either. There's people that are far wealthier than they are that that should be looked at. Yeah, yeah. It, it's also really uncomfortable as well seeing another a lot of non-league clubs setting up sort of just giving pages and mm. and crowdfunding pages and and asking for charity because you think, well, there's more important causes and more deserving causes than than just you guys trying to trying to generate some money to be able to go and sign another player next season when it mm-hmm. starts so mm-hmm. but that, that's it's really it, uncomfortable really uncomfortable and then you know and I think that sort of harps back to what we were saying earlier about that even if football suddenly opened its doors tomorrow from a moral perspective are, are thousands of people plowing through the gates spending lots of money on on the expensive tickets in the upper in the upper tiers merchandise and then seeing player you know clubs linked to players for 50 60 70 million pounds and then you you know you have just giving pages from clubs to try and survive keep afloat and then they'll be going out and splashing money or, or their version of splashing money at that level and you just look at what's going on in the rest of the world and you think, is this right at this moment <laughs> to be worried that much yeah. about, yeah. Was, about the... 
I was going to say, I think, I think it's a broader social issue as well, isn't it? That hopefully from this we we learn, and if that's if that's also owners but fans. I mean, how many times on a transfer deadline day am I tweeting, you know, get that left back signed or get that striker yeah. signed? And it's we need to rethink things and take stock. I think. Get Josh Casey yeah. signed, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and that's been my yeah. my claim for many years. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> Tierney's obviously injury prone, so we don't know. I mean, we've not we've not nailed down that slot yet, Josh. So. Yeah, most of it to get rid of Josh Casey, I think, is, is more the, the, the common tweet. <laughs> yeah, actually, that, 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 that um, transitions nicely onto maybe our counter-attack uh, segment, Josh. Yeah. going to fire a few quick questions at you, and I'd like okay. the short, shortest possible answer. So okay. we'll, we'll start off with what we were just talking about, actually. So a left-back in the Premier League that you admire most and you see yourself in a little bit. Ashley Cole. Okay. How about currently? Ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell. Yeah. Team you supported as a boy? Oh, Newcastle. There's a lot going on there at the moment. Oh, no. Yeah, talking talk about morals and football, we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> sort of, the, the, this, this is supposed to be a light refreshment, this bit. Yeah. <laughs> best, pl- best player you've ever seen live? Oh, uh, Eden Hazard. Nice. Best player you've ever played with? Uh, Jamal Lowe. Now at Wigan. Right, okay. Best player you've ever played against? Uh, Raheem Sterling. Most talented player at Woking? Jamal Lowe. Played in the Prem. Yeah. Messi or Ronaldo? Have to ask that one. Oh. Really? <laughs> yeah. Is it that much of a debate? <laughs> I'd rather have Ronaldo in my team. I know Messi's the better footballer, but I'd rather have Ronaldo in my team. Newcastle to win the Champions League or England to win the World Cup? England to win the World Cup, hands down. Yeah, good boy. Oh, there we go. Good answers, good answers. Actually, just talking about best players played against or with and best, most talented player at Woking, I'd like to just um, get, if you could give us a little update on how Dave is doing, because I know at Barnett, he's, he had a terrible injury on his debut. Um, we were really excited when he signed from Dartford at the time. Um, how, how's he doing? He's doing really well. He's this has been his first full season with without injury in a while. So mm. he's doing well. He's a great guy, and he's one of the best finishers I've mm. I've ever seen mm. at, at this level. It's it's ridiculous. He's, I think he should be playing at, at a much higher level, and probably would be if if he hadn't had those injuries. He scored mm. more than a goal a game mm. that that season before he got the move to to Barnet, and then was really unfortunate with the the two horrible knee injuries, which. Mm. It, like it's you've got the mental strength that, that he's shown to come back from those and after he made the step into full time football sort of quit his job and, and then for that to happen is it's pretty horrible and you feel so so sorry for the guy but yeah. he's doing well now. He's had a season behind him of, of playing injury free, touch wood mm-hmm. and and he's he's looking pretty good. Yeah, just to correct myself, he signed from Maidenhead actually. That was the club that we were we were buzzing when he signed. I mean I, I remember I <laughs> I think on, on our Twitter page there was there were fans about one or two in the morning waiting for it to be finalised. 
it's like Scott like Gillette soccer special comes to comes to the highs. Like, um, Brave, no, breaking news. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear he's doing well because that was a that was a dreadful dreadful knee injury that he suffered on his first game. I think he's half an hour in or so. He went off, and it just at the time I was there, and it didn't seem like much. I didn't really see it at the time, but obviously, good that he's bounced back from it. Yeah, he's a really good guy as well, which I think is makes mm. you sort of have more more sympathy with for, for what he mm. went through. Mm. You mentioned there that the the tweet you'd more likely to see is Josh Casey out, and um, obviously I'm sure that's not the case. But I, I did wonder in terms of um, like sort of fan interaction, sort of at, at national league level, um, is that something you really enjoy? Because it's you know it's it's obviously very different to if you're in the sort of top echelons of the game or probably where you were previously you know but slightly lower it's, it's probably that I, I would imagine it's quite a nice level of adulation and love from the fans but equally not so much that they're going to get on your back if you've had a bad game <laughs> yeah i think the wake the waking side of it is is fantastic because they're like you say they're they're really supportive and and they're amazing the the away fan side of it has it has its highs and lows i think i'm I'm notoriously it's a joke amongst the the team that I'm the most hated player in in non-league just because I seem to get under the skin of a lot of away fans and a lot of away, away players. So that that's something I I have to deal with. And to be honest, I love it. I I really enjoy the sort of pantomime villain sort of. Get, you can hear the shouts from the crowds as they're calling you different names and and things like that. So that it's it's really good fun. I think there's some there are some low points. Like I think um I we had a had a Tuesday night game. Uh, early on in the season, and I I made the mistake of getting the train home after back into London after after the game. There were some uh, away fans there who obviously saw me in in the tracksuit and proceeded to to follow me and chant at me, telling me what they thought of my performance, which is is fair enough. But then you had had one fan that then sort of out of nowhere from behind just sort of kicked me really really hard in the back of the leg, and then walked off. So you think there's there's they must have known you. They it, must yeah. have known your personality. That's that goes further than yeah. the game. They must have known what you really like. You know, uh, I think it was actually my mum or something. I think. It might have been, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. someone you used to work with in the county for her, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> <She's> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do love the um, the fan interaction because you can hear what people say and you can you can hear the, the abuse and the and that side of it and it's it's great as well to be so close to. To the fans, I think home fans as well. Like the the Woking fans are incredible. You've got the same people that a lot of the time have been part of the club for for all their life, and and it means so much to them. So it's great to have have people that you speak to after games who it, it does mean so much to. Mm. What's it like having Martin Tyler as an assistant manager? That's what I was. I've been waiting to ask that all week. <laughs> it's amazing. He's um. At first, it took so much getting used to because it's yeah. like it's, in your training, it's like you're playing FIFA or something because yeah. <laughs> you've got him sort of talking through it and, and commentating. Um, but he's he's so passionate about football; it's it's incredible. Like to have to have his enthusiasm and passion for it at his yeah. at his age when he's been to World Cup finals, Champions League finals, mm. and he still gets incredibly yeah. passionate and angry and happy about whatever happens at Woking on a Saturday. He's football it's, royalty, isn't he? Yeah. He is and he's he's such a he's such a nice bloke as well. I think that's that's what you get with it. He's he's a great bloke and he knows so much about football. Some of the stats he comes out with we do we give him a bit of stick for the occasional name drop which he'll he'll do in a team talk so he'll be like 
And then as I was, I was speaking to Gary Neville about this. Yeah. And yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Drop the name there, Martin. I was wondering. Yeah, I was wondering if you ever, if you ever get into in training when you score a goal, you get him to do that, the Aguero. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> we've, given him, we've asked him to do that so so many times. I think yeah. he gets quite um, he gets quite embarrassed about it. But he's he's without doubt what, I mean, probably the best commentator that that, yeah. that there's ever been. So he's definitely up there, isn't he? Yeah. Him, yeah, to have him around is 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 incredible, and he's yeah. um, he's really he's he's not sort of big time at all. He's he's happy to do anything for anyone. Mm. You'll have to get him to come on our pod. Uh, that's what you have to do. I'm sure he'd actually he would he would have no problem with that. He said he I've been speaking to him a bit and he said he's quite bored in lockdown. Oh, there you go. Do, so That'd be great. He I'm could host sure. it, couldn't he? He could, he could host it. We'd, we'd just sit back and just <laughs> we'll get just yeah, just you know, flowing voice, getting to do a few Gerards, a few Agueros, a few Josh Caseys, you know, just the classics, the, the ones people remember. Yeah, just the classics. Yeah, yeah the ones well, people remember. Um, he hosted a, a friend of mine's uh, Zoom quiz the other day. <laughs> so um, yeah, he is up. He is up for that sort of thing. That's he's, brilliant, he's great, great fan. How many yeah. Zoom quizzes have you been doing with work and friends? It's, it's getting a bit much now, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of bored of it now. I, I think I've spoken to some friends more than I have before lockdown. So yeah, yeah. you're doing quizzes for the for the sake of doing it. I think it's um, yeah, it's a bit much. We had a good one with with the team last night where we just did some unofficial awards um, and a and a couple of drinks and, and told some stories to. The, that's, yeah. that, that sort of thing's good. Yeah, but, that's nice. But yeah, I think everyone's had enough of the quizzes now, haven't they? Yeah, a little bit. So yeah, I'm glad I, I, we've done our counter-attack quick, quick, quick 10 questions before we're all slagging off quizzes. <laughs> Just like, yeah. yeah. We're definitely done with quizzes. <laughs> Just going to quickly move on to a quick quiz. Uh, so. yeah. yeah. Well, I thought I was tired of Zoom, but either getting Josh Casey on is just kind of, you know. Yeah, uh, We'll retire on this one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That'll be us done. Have has done. Um, we've really appreciated you coming on today, Josh. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Really no, no, it's been really, really, really interesting. It. Obviously, such strange times for everyone. So I think to get your perspectives being really illuminating, so actually, yeah, a bit of an eye opener, which has been fantastic. Take care. Wish you all the very best. No, and, you uh, too. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, no, it's been lovely. See you at the Hive maybe next season. Yeah. Well, uh -huh. you guys aren't going up, so probably will. Yeah, well, you have oh. to come back. Oh, you have to come back to Arsenal. He's still, um, you still, I think you still got the record for the most chicken nuggets I've ever seen eaten at a game. Um, which, <laughs> I think it's twenty-seven, which is just obscene, most, really. <laughs> most expensive chicken nuggets in the world, as well, at the Emirates. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still bought three portions. The Emirates, the the football's quite boring. The atmosphere is not the best, so the the chicken nuggets are probably the highlight. Oh, outrageous digs right at the end. Um, no, we'll, we'll, we'll end it there. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call it a night. <laughs> A big thank you to Josh there for a cracking insight into the current state of play in non-league football. We wish him well for the future at Woking. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. You can find us on all your usual social channels at HTO Football on Twitter and HTO Football on Facebook. Next time, we'll be chatting to actor and podcast host Charlie Casson. Take care, guys. Bye.